So just a little bit of a, a backup because we've got several people who've been sick, so I had to be out of town. I just want to give you a little bit of a gist of, of what we're, what's going on here, okay? The first week we talked about identity and identifying yourself with the kingdom that you belong to because we actually exist like here with two kingdoms. Daniel had the same issue. You see the scripture right there, which we read the first, first week, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the very very first two verses kind of set the whole thing up. Here's what happened is, uh, you know, Jerusalem was uh, under siege by the Babylonians and, and Nebuchadnezzar, he came in and he overthrew Jerusalem, he overthrew Israel and he took the choice young men Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were some of those. He took them back to Babylon and, and, and he took them away. So, so what happened with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and a lot of others is they woke up the very next day and they realized, man, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You know, we're, we're, this is different. We're in a different place. This is not Jerusalem. They were living in a different kingdom, yet they knew their heart belonged to another kingdom. Now, that's the same thing with me and you. Okay, we, we have to live in this kingdom of darkness that is all around us. It's a kingdom of darkness. I mean, sometimes, and, and part of this is reality. That was last week talking about really the realities. This is the reality is that we live in a kingdom of, there's a kingdom of darkness all around us. But we have to make our decision. We have to make our declaration, not just make the decision on a Sunday morning to say it is done. Last, yesterday, uh, I got the opportunity to, 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 to perform a ceremony of, of marriage for Clint and Chelsea, and, and in some of the comments that they chose to be the very introduction of their marriage was, you know, marriage is not a choice you make right here, but every single day you wake up, you decide. You re-decide that I'm married. And I belong to you. And, and this, you have to do the same thing because this kingdom of darkness out here is constantly pulling at you. It's constantly pulling you down. It's constantly putting things in your mind and your heart. And you have to make a decision. You have to redecide every day. That is not my kingdom. And that's what Daniel did. But the difference with it, there's so many parallels. But the difference with us, and this is the scary, scary part, is that for him it happened in almost an instant. In just a few days, this happened as he, as he had to leave Jerusalem and he wakes up there. But for us, it has been a slow process of easing away some of us from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. And so slowly that many in the church don't even realize that they have, they have so easily become wrapped up with the kingdom of darkness. So you need to make your declaration. And why do we need to do this? We need to do this because I mean, we didn't go into all of the, uh, uh, the miracles in the book of Daniel, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, but they saw miracles, amazing things happen. Why? Because they said, I'm not of the kingdom, I'm of, the, I'm of a kingdom of hope. And they lived it out. It's not enough to declare, you have to live it out. Facebook post, this week, I shared uh, the, the, a story that someone uh, had written, a, a very good article, but... It is no longer enough. Even, even in, in the court systems of our country today, it is no longer enough to say, yeah, I attend that church. That's not enough. Because when, when, when the, the, the rules and laws that are, that are being passed in this country today, calling some of the things that we say on Sunday because, you know, we, we point out sin, you know, we point out sin. That's a hate, that's a hate crime to some people. For the pastor to point out sin is a hate crime. And it's not enough. If, if you say that, it's not enough. And then you could... Uh, uh, be in danger with your business and to just say, well, but I attend this church and so I need, it's not enough to just say that. You, you've got to decide, you've got to identify and you've got to live it out. I mean, there are court cases that, that, that 
that's actually what it came down to, is are you really living what you say you believe or, or not? And people, are, their, their livelihoods have been at stake, and some of them have lost them simply because they said they were something, but the courts ruled said, well, you say this, but you're not living this. You're not abiding by all it. So even the court systems, there's never been a day in the United States of America like today where it is more important for you to not just identify, but also live it out and say, I don't just belong to this church, but I live what I say I believe. You have to do this. And, and, and the, 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 you know, that is a reason, but another reason is the miracles. That Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, the miracles that God wants to bring into your life, those can't happen just because you say, hey, I attend church. But because of relationship with God, that doesn't start and end on a Sunday morning, but is lived out. We have to face realities, and the reality is this is a kingdom of darkness. But we are of a kingdom of hope. A kingdom of hope, and the hope that we have is of an ever-after kingdom. Somebody said a little while ago that this reminded them of Frozen, you know, the new Disney movie, or not brand new Disney movie. So, yeah, and, and you know, that's, that's Disney's phrase, isn't it? Ever after, ever, and, and I've had the ever, ever after song on my head ever since I, I wrote this as to be kind of a title theme for this morning, it is we have an ever after kingdom. So let's look at the ever after kingdom. And, and, and the backdrop today, we're gonna talk a little bit about prophecy. All right, and this is kind of like Prophecy 101. So don't get really excited, those of you who really like to dig into it, because we don't have time to dig very far, okay? But Prophecy 101, and the, and the reason for this is not so we can just talk about end times, and you know, but I want you to understand, there's another reason that God speaks prophecies and shares, not just so we will know what's going to happen, but so we will know that he is exactly who he says he is. That when he speaks, he's not messing around. That when he says something, it's going to happen. He's like, and let me just prove that to you if I can. Okay, so we're going to, first of all, chapter 2 in the book of Daniel, and the king has a dream. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is the king that overthrows Jerusalem, and he, and he takes it back. He has a dream, and, uh, and he doesn't even remember what the dream was. And he asks all his wise men, tell me, tell me what my dream meant. They said, well, tell us what the dream was. And, and he, he said, I don't remember what the dream was. All I remember is I was scared to death. It didn't make my knees shake. I was worried. And tell me what the dream means. That's what we can't tell you. And so the king decides, well, I'm going to kill all of my wise men because they're not really wise at all. They just make stuff up. Because only, only, and this is what the wise men said, only the God of heaven, they said gods, you know, because they didn't believe in Jehovah, the one God. They said only the gods of heaven could do something like this. And, and so he declared that they would all be killed. And Daniel said, whoa, 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 give me just a minute, king. If you just give me one night, let me, let me sleep on this. And God gave Daniel also a vision and told him exactly what had happened uh, what, what, what the dream was that the king had had the night before, and God gave him the, also the explanation, the interpretation of the dream. And, and, and the king had seen this, and this is a little important, so, so hang with me. The king had seen this big, huge uh, statue or, or image, and it had a head of gold, and you'll see as, as Daniel is also describing what this means, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold, and it had, it had chest and arms of silver. After you, another kingdom of silver which is infer inferior to yours, not going to be as strong, because like gold is, is uh, superior to, to silver. And also something very interesting right here is the arms, okay, the chest and the arms, because this next kingdom that's come, it was one, but it was also divided, because the next kingdom was the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, 
Daniel didn't write that because he had never heard of the Medo-Persian Empire because it hadn't happened yet, okay? Now he's, he's, he's saying, this is what's going to happen, King Nebuchadnezzar. There's come another kingdom after you. And then there's a third kingdom of bronze. The, 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 uh, the belly and the, and the thighs were of bronze. And so there's coming another kingdom. And then a fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron. The legs and the feet that he saw were made of iron. And he said it's going to be as strong as iron. And iron isn't as precious as gold, but it was stronger. And that was talking about, uh, the, uh, the brass was talking about Greece and, and the, the legs were talking about the Roman Empire. Now, how do I know that? We know that because we studied history. Do you remember this? I mean, you, you've heard these words, right? You've heard about the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire. You've heard about the Greek Empire. And you've heard about the Roman Empire. This is what Daniel prophesied would happen according to, according to the dream that God had given King Nebuchadnezzar. But hang on here, okay? Let, let me jump to, and keep this in chronological order here. Chapter 4 uh, is, is where this same king, who is a pagan king, uh, the very next slide, a pagan king, he testifies. The whole chapter is written. The, the king testifies, and there you see he begins it. It's almost like a letter, King Nebuchadnezzar, to everyone everywhere. And he says, let me tell you about Daniel and Daniel's God. And he testifies that Daniel's God is able to discern and tell things that are going to happen in the future. I need you to get this, okay? This is a pagan king that does not even believe in Jehovah, but he testifies to the power and the ability and the wisdom of Jehovah. Okay, now skip on to chapter 8. In chapter 8, Daniel now is praying and Gabriel shows up and Gabriel is going to tell him about a dream that he has had. He said, Daniel, you've had this dream. And he said, the two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the king of Greece. Okay, you catch this right here. What just happened? All of a sudden, Daniel's not just talking about imagery anymore. He's not just talking about, you know, about a statue. He's not just talking about gold and silver, you know, two arms that are spread. He's not talking just about brass and about iron, meaning strength. He's naming names. Daniel didn't know anything. Who is this media and Persia? Of course, he, yeah, he's heard of, of those areas, those countries. But they were not an empire yet. And Greece, they were not an empire yet. He's naming it. Now, how can Daniel at this point name names of what is going to happen in a few hundred years of Greece? How can he do that? The only way he can do that is he's got a connection to someone who knows more than all the rest of us, someone who can tell the future. And so now let's go to chapter 11, okay? Because here is where we get even more details, more intricate details about all this going on. And this is uh, chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. And, and Gabriel is talking to Daniel the angel, and, and he says, Daniel, three more kings will arise in Persia. Now, now when this happens, Daniel is actually, and this is chapter 11, so the Babylonian Empire has passed away, the Medes and the Persians have come in. Here's, if you missed this last week, this is really awesome, because one of the things we're, we're finding out is that Daniel is outliving kings, and he's outliving kingdoms. And you and I, because we're not a part of the kingdom of darkness, we're going to outlive the kingdom of darkness. Oh, somebody, help me. That's a good one right there, isn't it? We're gonna, because we're not part of the kingdom, of, we will outlive the kingdom of darkness. We will out, and Daniel outlived three kings. He outlived, he outlived uh, one whole entire kingdom. And now the, the Persians have shown up. And, and so now Daniel is, is talking to Gabriel. The, the angel is and Gabriel is saying, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth will be far richer than the others. Here's what you need to understand. Daniel wrote this because God put this on his heart. And it happened exactly like that. 
If you go on and you read the rest of, of what he says right here, if you read the rest of it, there are details there about how the kingdom will be divided and how it will be divided into four different, and that's exactly what happened. How there will be wars between the north and the south. Exactly what happened. What, what Gabriel is telling Daniel, what Daniel is writing down, and what you and I today read right here, it happened spot on. You, you will hear of, uh, of prophecies of, uh, of people who lived many, many years ago, and, and people say, oh, you know, I started to call the name of one of those guys that lived many years ago, but I don't want you to get wrapped up in that. But people say, oh, did you, did you see? I think that was a, a prophecy. Here's the problem, though, is all of those prophets like that, they hit one here or there or whatever. They hit one. But all of their prophecies did not come true. Every single thing that Daniel prophesied came through. Every single one of them. I mean, these, these four that are going to rise up, uh, uh, man, uh, Cambyses, Cambyses, uh, Gamata, uh, uh, Darius, and uh, uh, Darius, and Xerxes. These are the four that actually arose, that it happened. And then he goes on and says, then a warrior king will arise. He was talking about, y'all heard of Alexander the Great? It hadn't happened yet. Daniel is writing it. Alexander the Great is going to show up and, and, and lead the Greek Empire to overthrow the Medo-Persian Empire and become another empire. This happens way after Daniel's death, and Daniel prophesies that it's going to happen. A warrior king will arise. You remember, and that's Alexander. You remember it said about Alexander that, that uh, when he finally conquered everything that he could reach, and it, it said that he sat down and cried because there were no more worlds to conquer. He was a mighty warrior king who conquered this is what God taught, told Daniel that Daniel wrote down. And here's what you need to understand. Is that Daniel wrote this and he was writing the future of the next 600 years. And it happened just like Daniel said. Even names of the countries, of the empires, even details. He, 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 these kinds of things were happening. And so if, if, if Daniel was so spot on with the prophecies of what God had given him and he's sharing, it's not that Daniel was anything special other than he did what was supposed to be done as far as I declare I am part of that kingdom, not this kingdom. And because he lived it and he put himself in a place where God could use him. Otherwise, Daniel was no different than me and you. But, but, but because he was, then God spoke these things to him. And because, because he was spot on then, then what do you think we should do then with Daniel's prophecies about the end time? I mean, if Daniel hit it on the next 600 years after his, his life was over, then what do you think we ought to consider about his prophecies of the end time? I think we ought to pay attention, don't you? And let me show you just a few of them. Let me show you just, just a few. And, and, and like I said, this is, this is Prophecy 101 today in the book of Daniel. We don't have time for a whole lot of stuff. But here's, here is my absolute favorite in there because I think it speaks of this generation, this time more than any, any other. Okay? And, uh, uh, and it's a, as I termed it up here, it's a brief, almost hidden prophetic word in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. Daniel, keep the prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. And you know what's going to happen at the time of the end? This is what Scripture says. When many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Never before has there been a generation or a time, a group of people to live on this earth, that that described more than the one we live in today. Many will run to and fro, I think the King James Version says. Here and there, running, 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 running. Does that sound like anybody's life today? Running here and there, to and fro, all the time. But consider this. Consider the worldwide 
explanation of, or description of what this is really saying. That up until about 150 years ago, the mode of transportation for this entire world was pretty much horses and camels. You know, you might get a carriage, a coach, a wagon or something, but you're going to have horses or maybe an ox or, some, an ox or something like that that's going to pull it. And so the, the modes of transportation for thousands of years never changed. The, the speed of man traveling on this earth was limited by how fast a horse he had. You know, I mean, that was it. Your reach was, I mean, if you remember back in Genesis when the men began to build a tower of Babel so they could reach to the heavens. You know, why did they have to do that? Because they were tied to the ground. Couldn't go anywhere. It couldn't go any higher than ground. So they, they decided, we'll raise the ground. And that's how we'll get up to the heavens. We were bound. But just about 150 years ago, real, look at what happened. For thousands of years, nothing changed. People rode horses to get everywhere just like they did thousands of years ago. But 150 years ago, we went from trails to rails, to roads, to the sky, and to space. And today, it is nothing. It is nothing for your boss, some of you, your boss to, to tell you tomorrow morning, hey, I need you to be and name any country in this world and say, I need you to be there tomorrow. And for you to look back and say, okay, I'll call the travel agent, I'll make the arrangements, and you can do it. We're running to and fro. There's never been, there's never been a generation like this one. Consider that knowledge will increase. Billy Graham said this when he was talking about this, right? He said, he said 90% of the scientists and engineers that have ever lived are alive right now. Think about it. If you, if you understand what is going on in this information age, this digital age that you and I live in, this technology age that you and I live in, you understand what he's saying. 90% of all, of all the, the, the inventors, just, just go and look at history. Google inven, in, inventions, Google timelines, something like that of inventions, and just see all of the stuff. I mean, the numbers of patents, and just in, in the past 30 years or so, the, the number of patents that are being applied for it go, went from like 60,000 60, a year to, to multiple hundreds of thousands every year because of all the inventions of people coming up with all these ideas. I know a bunch of them just want to get on Shark Tank and get a whole lot of money, you know, but I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's what was happening in this age. And, and, and consider, here, here's, here's what has happened over the last 120 years. Is, is, is this world has seen radio invented. Now radio, that, that's, that's so old, right? I mean, that's like eight track tape players, right? And as some of y'all say, eight track what? You know, y'all don't even know what that is, right? Radio, but radio was invented. Okay, y'all got one in your car, so you, you might not use it, but I mean, you know, radio, it was invented about 120 years or so ago, we saw radio and then it moved on to television, right? So not just our voice, but also our images. But then also it moved on to satellite communication. And, 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 you know, if you want to do it with TV, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, through satellites being boomed everywhere. Communication, almost instantaneous, all the way around the world. But then to our little bitty cell phone. From satellites to cell phones. And, and, and just about 80 years or so ago, when computers were being really beginning to be, do you know how big computers used to be? Like in the 20s and the 30s, I think in the 30s when, when they were being, I, I mean, I, I saw pictures back when I was a kid, you know, in elementary school, and they were still pretty big back in those days. I mean, but they've gone, in our lifetime, we've seen computers go from room size to pocket size. Most of you walked in here with a computer today. 
in your pocket or in your purse. There has never been a generation that these two phrases right here defines more than the generation that you and I live in. Scary? No. Not if you're part of the kingdom of hope of an ever after kingdom. No, it's not scary. It's awesome. Think about this. God spoke this to a man over 2,000 years ago. And he wrote it down. Can I give you another one? Let me give you another one. This is really cool. I saw this in this week. Go to my next, next slide. Uh, can't. Uh, this is chapter 7, verse 25. We were in chapter 7 just a few minutes ago. Another spirit of, pre- of oppression. Okay, now this is talking about somebody that I'll tell you about in just a few moments, but some of you will recognize who this is already. But he says, this is in the end times. He will speak words against the Most High, talking about God, and he will oppress the holy ones of the Most High. Now, that could be us, but it's probably even more so the Jewish nation, the Jews that are still there, uh, that are still, still around. And, that. and he will intend, and not talking about God, but he's talking about a spirit that is here and actually a ruler. He said he will intend to change religious festivals and laws, and the holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. And that's something that's important. That'll come up in just a couple of minutes also. All right, and so, but, but here's this important, right, kind of right there in the middle of that. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws. There is a new spirit of oppression that is in this this world today. And and, and I don't want you to think, I am not saying that what he's talking about here are these next couple of things I'm going to mention to you. But what I'm saying is, what these next couple of things that you and I are dealing with today tells us that that spirit of oppression is already working in our world today. And, that, and when we see religious festivals and laws, what it's talking about, it's talking about religious ordinances, that he will seek to change religious ordinances and religious laws. See, it's not that they want to shut our church down. This spirit of oppression doesn't want to close us down, just wants to tell us, just back off. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. Say happy holidays this December instead of Merry Christmas, because you're going to offend everybody else. You see, this spirit is already, the spirit that is going to change religious ordinances and festivals and laws in the future, real soon future, it's already beginning to operate. And this is, I believe this is speaking really about the Jewish state. I believe it is speaking about the Mosaic law. I believe it is speaking about temple worship and those things. But what you and I are dealing with in this country shows me that this spirit of oppression is already here. Because there is a spirit that does not care if you go to church or not, it just wants to make sure that you do not have a faith that really matters. That you just don't have a faith that changes anything about who you are and how you live your life and the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis. Doesn't care if you show up on a Sunday and raise your hands and tell everybody, oh, how great is our God. Doesn't care if you do that, just as long as you don't really connect with that God and get a power inside of you that can literally change everything that's going on around you. In your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your, in your future, in your communities, in your relationships, in your education. The Spirit does not want you to connect with that power of God. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other examples of this is the redefinition of marriage. Because marriage has always, for thousands of years, has meant one man and one woman. Oh, but pastor, you know that they, yeah, I know people's always broke that, but everybody knows that's what it's meant. There have always, always been some cultures that have, that have pushed that, that have changed that or whatever, but, but it has always been, the definition of marriage has always been. 
Even people that aren't following Jehovah, that aren't following Christ, the definition of marriage has always been, really, cultures have always been, it's, it's, it's always been, even though some were aberrant, some got out, but the, it's always been. Yet here is a redefinition. And we're, we're the spirit that is already alive and working in this kingdom of darkness is seeking to redefine everything about our relationship with God. He doesn't want to shut it down. Let's just water it down. doesn't want to close it off. just wants to close you in. Just not allow you to be powerful in your relationships and powerful in your marriage and powerful in your prayers over your sick children at night when they cry out to you. Not to, just, just to keep you from being powerful enough to let anything real happen in your life. That's the spirit of oppression that Daniel says is coming in this last days. And you and I, we're seeing, listen, this is, this is not what he's talking about. What you and I are dealing with is just the tip of the iceberg of the beginning of seeing. It's, it's like this, spirit, this evil spirit is just kind of testing the waters. Let me see how this works with the, with the church. Let me see how this works with this Christian. Let me see, and he's just testing the waters. But it's coming full blown against, I believe, the Jewish nation at some point in the last days. But this spirit is already working. But, but let, me take you, let me take you to one last place here about Daniel's end time prophecies. And this is in, the, uh, in chapter 9. Specific things about the last days. I don't have time to preach these, but I want to say just right here in chapter 9, it talks about a treaty being, being, uh, being made, a, tre- a peace treaty. So every time you look into, into the Middle East and you see the unrest that is going on there and, and, and the rest of the world saying, we got to do something about this, we got to stop this, and, and trying to get people together, you understand? That's part of Daniel talking about this because there's going to, why, why do we need a peace treaty? Because there's unrest. And Daniel said there's going to be one made. It, it, you know, you and I are friends. We don't need a peace, uh, a peace treaty. You know, we don't need one, but people who are at war need a peace treaty. So he's saying there's going to be one. And then he explains times. We just read something a moment ago. It said time, times, and a half time. You know, that is, that is telling us a little something about what chapter 9 is talking about, the explanation of times. And here's what, when we take that and then we take this ver- that verse there in chapter 7 that we just read, and we take the other verses at the end of chapter 12 in the book of Daniel, and then we take Matthew uh, there when Jesus is talking about the end of times, and then we take Thessalonians and Timothy, and we take the book of Revelations, Ezekiel and Isaiah, and we take all of these things and we put them together and we realize what it's saying, what, what he's talking about is he's talking about a three and a half year period, time, times, and a half a time is three and a half. A three and a half year period of what Jesus called the worst trouble time of all history. That never before and never after will there be a time of trouble, which we mostly call, most of us, the great tribulation. There will never be a time about this. So the great tribulation, he, we're introduced to it right here in Daniel chapter nine. And the Antichrist, the Antichrist by name is called out by Daniel. Now, I'm sorry, no, not his first and last name because a lot of people want to know who is the Antichrist. Not that, but the Antichrist. He calls him that in Daniel chapter 9. And we're introduced to him for the first time. And, and then the temple desolation of desecration, the desecration that brings desolation to the temple, that the temple is going to be rebuilt. And, you know, I really want to share this because there's a whole lot of stuff here that I don't have time to share. But for the temple to be desecrated, and to become desolate, it first has to be built. The Jews don't have a temple. And so I've heard some people say, well, that means it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while out there before because they've got to build that temple. 
I know you're thinking about, yeah, they got to get permits, they got to do da 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 They don't have to get permits to build on their own ground. You know, the government can build something pretty quick if they decide to, go to build it, you know. And I t- to tell you this, that for decades, the Jewish nation has been putting together the plans and also the materials to literally build the temple back overnight. They are ready to do that at any time. And, and, and this chapter here tells us that this Antichrist is going to desecrate the temple and make it utterly desolate in the middle of this time. And that's when that horrible time of time, and you say, oh, Pastor, this, this, is, this just sounds just too amazing to even believe. But you remember, back up and remember just a little bit. Every word Daniel uttered about the next 600 years came to pass. Spot on. And he says, these things are going to happen in our last days. And when you look around, you see exactly what he's talking about is already happening. The spirits of a new type of oppression against religious people who are following Jehovah God. I mean, that's, that's what the Jews called the God we serve, Jehovah, the Father. This type, of, it's already here. It's already happening. And it's so easy. It's so easy to say, well, that's just good for all you religious folks to believe. But we have to wake up. We have to admit the reality. This is a kingdom of darkness that will not get better. Oh, I know, this is the United States of America, one nation under God. It's the, most, it's the greatest country that has ever existed, but it will not continue. It cannot continue, not on the path that it has chosen. I'm not, I'm not prophesying America's demise. I believe God already has. I believe God already has in Scripture. Not that this country is going to fall before a lot of these things happen, but this country will not succeed because it has chosen another path. We have, to, we have to recognize that fact that at some point, at some point this country cannot continue to thumb its nose at God. This country cannot continue to say, God, thank you for making us great, but we got it from here. Huh? You can't do that. We have to face the reality that it's a dark kingdom that we live out there. You want me to give you stats? Do you want me to tell you how many kids are going to be raped today? Do you want me to tell you how many kids are going to be beheaded in other countries today because, they've stood, because their parents are Christian? And maybe they're not even really Christian, but they're of a Christian family. Do you want me to give you the stats? Do you, want me to t- do, you, do you need me to tell you how dark the kingdom is that is out there? Because, you know, it comes on TV, you know, at 5 o'clock, and we just kind of, oh, let's change the channels and let's go back to our roasted potatoes, right? And act like it's not there. The reality is we live in a time of a dark kingdom. And most of the people around us, they may not be driven by the dark kingdom, but they are under control of so many things in the dark kingdom. That if Daniel was spot on about those next 600 years, and he looks like from what we already see, he's going to be spot on about all this too then what do we need to do? If we believe, if we believe I mean, you can't do anything but believe what he said about his, the next 600 years after he, his life. But if we believe that and now we believe this and look what is happening, then let's also talk about the power of God because Daniel claimed that God was an awesome, powerful God. And this is in reality, this in reality, I believe, is the most important thing about prophecy is for you to see this is evidence of the power of your God. 
And so that's why, that's why the enemy fights all this and wants you to, don't listen to that preacher tell you about all those crazy things that the Bible says are going to happen in the last times. Don't listen to that. You know why he doesn't? Because he wants you to believe that the whole thing is a fairy tale. But if one piece of it is not true, then none of it is true. Because it all has to be God's word or it isn't God's word. And he says, this is my word. And, and, and so when the enemy is attacking you, he says, don't believe this or don't believe this. Or, well, I can do this thing on my own. Or I think, I think in this part of my life, like you remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about sexual atheism? Young people today, I mean, it's like, man, I'll go to church and I believe God will help me with my finances. I believe God's going to help me find a good wife or a good husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think God has really, you know, he's kind of old-fashioned when he talks about sex. So, you know, I, I, yeah, sexual atheism invading the Christian church. And, and, that, and that this is where some of us are. We say we kind of do our own thing. And the reason the enemy wants you doing your own thing, because when you start doing your own thing, you're no longer living according to the kingdom, of, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of hope, the everlasting kingdom. And when you're not living according to that kingdom, you don't have the promises. You don't have the power. You don't have the, but can I tell you about the power? That's what this is all about. That's, that's what this message here today is all about. That's what this sermon series is all about. All four weeks just getting you to this place to understand that there is a kingdom of power that is everlasting. Let me, let me show it to you right here. First of all, he saw in, in chapter 10, verse 5 through 6, and verse 13. I don't have time to read the scriptures. We kind of went through this a little bit, some of this last week. Daniel saw a vision of Jesus. He saw a vision of the Messiah. Some of you need to see a vision of him again. You remember back when you were so in love with him? But there have been so many things that have gotten in the way. Oh, God, give us a fresh vision of who you are. I pray when we sing this last song in just a few moments, that we'll fall in love again with him. I, f I pray that you will, one more time, just fall in love with Jesus. As, as, as new, as the first time, as ever. But something else in this chapter is we learned, Daniel learned about spiritual warfare. And here, here's some of the things we learned. We learned the spiritual warfare is always going on. Your family, Everything about you is under attack every single day. But when you don't fight, the kingdom of darkness wins. And if you wonder, why? Why does this, why? Because you're not fighting. You can look back, you can think, you can see, and you can remember those times that you failed and say, yeah, I wasn't fighting. I wasn't doing what I knew God had put in my heart and that I needed to do. And, and what we've seen here, this, this is really important because of my last point, I got one, one last little place, with one more slide. This is really important before we get there. Is, is that what we learned in this is Gabriel and Michael, they were fighting, they were fighting in, in, in the heavenly, they were fight, angels and demons were fighting. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom that is ever after were fighting. And, and, and Michael said, when we defeat this angel, this spirit prince, there's another one coming. And then after him, there's another one coming. They're always coming. They're always coming. Okay, but, but hang on and watch this. Let's go, let's go to that last slide. And this is chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 23 and then 26 to 27. And this, this is just some more imagery of, what, of, what, of how, what's being explained to Daniel. It says, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. Does anybody feel like that's, that sounds like some of what's going on in your own life? That you feel like the kingdom of darkness 
is just trampling and crushing and, and it's just oh, wanting to overthrow and just overpower you in every single way. That's because it's already, begin, it's already beginning to happen. But the court will convene, verse 26, but the court will convene and his dominion will be taken away to be completely destroyed forever. The kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of the heaven will be given to the people, the holy ones of the most high God. His kingdom will be an everlasting, an ever after kingdom, and all rulers will serve and obey him. And here's why I choose to use that ever after. Because his kingdom, the kingdom that you and I, we're not of this kingdom of darkness. But as children of God, the kingdom that we are a part of because we have made our declaration, because we have said, Jesus, we want you to be our Lord and Savior. We've made that declaration and we have identified ourselves with that kingdom. That kingdom is ever after. That when the Babylonians came, God's kingdom, and when they came and they went and the Babylonians and that kingdom was gone, God's kingdom after it was still here. That when the Medes and the Persians passed away from this earth, God's kingdom was still here. He was still after that. He was still here. That when the Greeks came and Alexander the Great, and he was overthrown, and he was killed. When, when his kingdom was over, after that, God's kingdom still existed. And when the Roman Empire was here, when, when Jesus was alive, and the Romans, remember they crucified Christ. And, and, and you know, when, when they were finally done and the Roman Empire was overthrown and really crumbled from within, what, what was here after that? The ever after kingdom. Because after every other kingdom and every other empire that has come and gone in this world and also the ones that come and go in the spirit world, after every one of them is the ever after kingdom. The one that you and I are part of, Jehovah's kingdom. Yes, give him a hand of praise. Stand with me if you will. I got one last thing I want to share with you, these verses. Would you come to the front? If you're a first time attender, let me just tell you, we like to close around front. I got one last thing I want to share with you right here. One last thing I want to share with you before we close. And uh, if you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close with a, just a final thought, a final prayer, and a final song. Don't hurry away because we're also going to pray over these Christmas shoeboxes this morning. If you've got one you're bringing, we'll pray over it too. Come on. It was a vower. It will trample it will crush. I hear from you during the week. I see your posts on Facebook. You call me, you text me, you message me in some way, you email me. You say, Pastor, I, I, can I talk to you just five minutes? And you know what, I, I hear you're being devoured. You're being trampled. You're being crushed. Standing right here before me are marriages that are being devoured. Futures, they're being trampled. Hopes and dreams that have been crushed. Need to identify just a minute. Let's take a moment. Can we take a moment and say, that's me, and I'm tired of it, Pastor, and I'm ready for real life again. Some of you nodding your head. How about a hand say, that's me. I'm ready for that to be over. I'm ready for my marriage to be everything it's supposed to be. I'm ready for my finances to be returned to me from the one who has stolen them. I'm ready for that, Pastor. Come on, I'm about to tell you something. I'm about to give you hope. But you need to identify that that's me, Pastor. I'm the one that needs hope. 
So if you didn't raise your hand just a second ago, I'm going to give you one more chance. If, I, if you raised your hand a minute ago, I want you to raise your hands right now again. But if you didn't raise your hand and that's you, identify before I give you this hope because you need to say, that's me. I want the hope, Pastor. So raise your hand right now and say, I need the hope, Pastor. I've got some things, I got some things and I need some hope. I need the hope. The hope that is, that is above all this trampling and devouring and crushing that is going on. You want to see the hope? Here's the hope. But the court will convene. You know what that means? I had to look it up. What court? I had to look it up just to make sure it was what I thought it was, and it is. You know what it means? It means that the judge is going to take his seat. And when he takes his seat, he's going to declare once, once and forever, he's going to look at one that has held power and dominion over a kingdom of darkness of this world for, for all the time on this world. He's going to look at him and say, your dominion is finally over. It's over and it's done. Amen. Go ahead and praise the king that is about to sit on the throne of judgment. And I know that's talking about not yet, not today, but God gave me this as a promise to you today. He's ready to convene court in somebody's life today. The judge is ready to take his chair and to point at whatever's been trampling and crushing and devouring you today and say, enough is enough. Your power and your authority over my child is done in this area of their life. And he's ready to take his seat right now. Would you just raise your hands right now and begin thanking him? I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray a prayer of deliverance over you. I want to pray a prayer of his grace and mercy and peace and power. And, and, and prayer team members, you saw hands go up. If you, if you feel that of God, please, please move right now and pray with those that need prayer. God.